So a few weeks ago, we, we did a, a message on marriage, and after the sermon, uh, we was back there talking to some of the youth, and I jokingly asked them if they got much out of the message, and one young man piped up, and he says, no, I did not. <laughs> like, you asked, and you're going to get an answer. And so I thought, well, why not do a youth message sometime? So... For those of you that are young at heart, this message will be for you this morning. I would like some interaction with you youth. Um, there's going to be some verses up here to read, and I would like to have a volunteer. If you don't volunteer, I will call on somebody, okay? So you can be thinking about that. The verse, the verse will actually be up on the screen, so you won't have to turn to your Bibles. It be, should be pretty easy to... Um, Read so, I will go ahead and read part of the part of the verses this morning in Mark chapter two. We're going to read verses one through five. Mark chapter two. And again, he entered into Capernaum. This is talking about Jesus after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, inasmuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. I want to stop right there for a little bit. Jesus says, Andy had touched on that earlier, Jesus had been doing lots of miracles and, and many mighty things, uh, walking around and, and teaching and preaching, and in verse, uh, in verse 1 it says, and it was noise that he was in the house. And there's... There's just, uh, there's many people that was just, I, I just, in my own mind, I just looked at, at maybe just an army hospital. All these people that were coming to see Jesus, you know, with these, these maimed limbs, these, these things that they had physically, uh, and they wanted to be healed. They wanted to get near to Jesus and to see the carpenter turned preacher turned miracle worker. And they were excited. It says, they were excited to see and hear what Jesus had to say, so much that there was no room. This house was completely full. If you see there on that picture, this would have been a house probably similar to what Jesus possibly would have been into. So the, the room would have been totally packed, and there was no way to go in and out of the house. It was so tightly packed, and the doors were uh, filled uh, with people. <clears throat> And I like to look at that this morning. We look at our church this morning. I'm very thankful that it is mostly filled. But how many people today is excited to see Jesus? Is, is my life, are you guys as youth excited to hear what Jesus has for you this morning? Were you excited to come to church this morning? Many of you didn't realize it was going to be a youth message, obviously. But as we, as we look at our own lives, is, is it exciting to serve Jesus? It should be. It should be a joy. And we should... Fill the house every day, and in in, so to speak, uh, to, to see what Jesus has for us. So continuing on in verse 3 uh, on this account, and it says, And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. So what this is meaning is they brought a man, a young man that was, that was paralyzed. We don't understand maybe what happened if he was born this way or if he had an accident or what happened to this, this person. But we knew, know that he needed help getting to see Jesus. So he was born, uh, he was basically carried by four people on a bed. 
um, to bring to Jesus to be healed. That's the whole concept behind this. They wanted to get this young person to, to Jesus to heal him. And as we look at the person that's being born, he is totally dependent on these four people to bring him to the place where Jesus is at. And we don't know what extent his paralysis was, you know, whether he had to be fed, uh, whether he had people to wash his face, to keep him clean. We don't know the exact um, extent of his paralysis, but he did need help. He obviously couldn't walk. He did need help being brought to Jesus. In verse 4, it says, When they could not come nigh unto him, to Jesus, for the press, basically they couldn't get into the house to see where Jesus is at because he's preaching in this house. There's so many people around. Um, it says, They uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Now I want to make something very clear here. It is not okay to break the law to get somebody to Jesus, Okay. So they broke the roof. So it's a little bit different. The roofs then are different than our roofs today. You know, if somebody would want to come and break into our roof, they would have to have a chainsaw to cut through the, the shingles and the rafters and the trusses and, and then get through all of that down to the uh, sheetrock, and they'd have to cut through that. So there would have been a great big mess. It would have been hurt the structure of the building as well. But here we see that the roof is flat, so they would have had to probably remove some hay and some of the sticks and lath that they would have intertwined together. So it would have taken some time and some undoing, but it wouldn't have hurt the structure per se, um, and it could have been easily repaired after they were done. So I want to make that very, very clear that we can maybe justify what we're doing to get somebody from Jesus, but if it breaks the law, then it's, you know, it's, it's not right. It's not right. But I just... It is interesting the, the, the way that these four people chose to bring Jesus. They chose to walk up that step, those steps alongside the house, get to the roof, and take all of that off to lower the person of Jesus. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later as well. Um, verse 5, and it says, When Jesus saw their faith... I just want to thank a little bit. My mind... <laughs> My mind likes to think of different things. You know, Jesus was down there preaching. You know, him being God and totally man, did he, did he know that this was going to happen? You know, did he, as stuff started falling down, did he move out of the way so the stuff? You know, that's just the things that I think about it. It's whether or not it's important or not. But I just, it's just interesting that you know there would have been some debris and stuff falling down as they were cutting the hole into the roof above Jesus to let this person down. But just it says when Jesus saw their faith, he said to them said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Jesus saw their faith, not just the faith of the four, but all five. I think it's very, very important to understand that he saw the faith of the person that was being let down as well. And so for, for a little bit this morning, I want to look at four types of people that can be a positive influence to you this morning of your lives and motivate you towards Jesus this morning. <clears throat> Number one, should be your parents. And you're probably all kind of groaning about that a little bit. Believe it or not, our, your parents want what's best for you. Maybe, maybe you're in your uh, adult or your preteen life or a teen life now, and you think your parents just 
sit back and try to see how miserable they can make your life, but that's not the truth. We really want what's best for you. Our goal is to help you become better people than what we were, okay? You understand that? You know, we've all been teenagers, and we've made mistakes, and our goal is we want you to become a better person than what we were. <clears throat> so why parents? Well, number one, they love you. They're love for you. I want you to understand there's no one else on earth that can love you more than your mom and dad, okay? There's no one else on earth that can love you more than your mom and dad. And as we look at love, we're going to look at some other things besides that, but there's things that we do because we love you. Um, I don't know if many of you understand what Job did for his children. It said that he sacrificed daily for the sins that they, his children possibly made. So there's things that your mom and dad do that sacrifice, they sacrifice daily for your benefit. Um, those of you that may become home late from youth, your mom more than likely is awake, more than likely, until you get home safe. Dads are probably asleep. I am anyway. <laughs> so, but, the, but there's things that dads do. There's, there's, you know, we come home and we've had a hard day and, and maybe our son or daughter wants to go out and play, play a game of basketball or go fishing or whatever. Hopefully we do that. Our back may be crying at, out to us later that night, but there's sacrifices. We do this because we love you, not because we can or it's easy for us, okay? <clears throat> and there's many, many other sacrifices that you won't understand until you guys become parents. And then you're like, ah, I remember mom and dad doing that. So the light bulb will come on. Authority. What does that bring to mind? When we look at authority, real love, this is kind of bouncing off of love. Real love does not excuse sin. God chastises us because he loves us and the same way with your parents. Who wants to read that verse for me? Three, two, one. Elliot. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, his correct, he correcteth. Even as, far, even as a father the son, in whom he delighteth. Okay, asking us or asking God to refrain from correction, correcting us would be asking him to love us less or la asking your parents to love, us le love you less. Does that make sense? Everybody understand that? As parents, we have to answer, we will have to answer to God for how we raised you, how we chose to raise you. So what that means is how we nurtured you, how we showed you love, did we correct you when we should have. We're all going to have to answer to God for that because in a sense, you guys aren't ours. You were given to us by God and someday you will be back, given back to God and I'll, I'll, I'll talk on that a little bit later. Um, even though we thank you, we call you our children, you're still God's, okay? Does that make sense? God has entrusted us with you to train, teach, and prepare you for life, Ephesians 6, 4. I'm not going to take the time to read that, but if you want to mark that um, for, a, for a reference. It basically says, your fathers don't provoke your children wrath, but uh, raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'm, I'm paraphrasing that, but that's basically what that verse says. <clears throat> Thank you.
<clears throat> C, sin has consequences. It was interesting what Carter said. I hope you don't mind me using this, Carter. But Teenagers do dumb things sometimes <laughs> and say dumb things sometimes. So, uh, and, and the thought behind that is, is a man's brain isn't totally fully developed until the age of 25. And so if you'll humor, humor me for a little bit, I'll share a little story with you. Um, about so I had it I had a Dodge Colt back in the day Lonnie and Greg will, will understand this story um, a Dodge Colt is a little bit the size of Blake's car and I love to go rip snorting around I, I drove that thing hard and I kept going through tires and my mom and dad said well it's your car you're gonna have to pay for tires if you, you know had an e-brake and I'm not gonna tell you all the things I did with it but you can see in gravel roads and e-brakes it's kind of fun so I went through a lot of tires and that was, my mom and dad taught me a lesson. It's like, you wanna act like that and, and you're gonna pay for your tires. We're not paying for tires for you because that's, you're making your choices, you're making these, these decisions to do and, and while it is fun, it's gonna cost you some money. And on a side note, I think three people could change the tires on that car. Two people could lift it up and one change the tires. Anyway, that kind of shows you the, the size of vehicle it was. Um, so as parents, unfortunately, and this, this, this is really tough for a parent, we have, we have to allow you guys to live through some of the choices that you make. And that's really difficult as a parent, because as a parent, we want to protect you from those things. Does that make sense? But unfortunately, some of the choices that you make, we have to let you live through them because it has consequences. And that's something that will teach you on down the road. And hopefully... When you become adult, you understand that and, and still don't be making poor choices like that and expecting no consequences to follow. Um, learn to take responsibility for your actions. Sometimes the consequences are, of our mistakes may last a lifetime. So one of the things I want to encourage you about is, is, is watch the music that you listen to. I listened to a lot of bad music when I was a youth. And I've tried to put all that behind me, but it's amazing if I get on a job site and I hear an old rock and roll song, boy, those words just pop right back in my head. And it's because I ingrained my mind to listen to that over and over and over again, and, and those are some of the consequences that I have to deal with. And there's others. Uh, sexual sin is another one, okay? Um, if you guys look at porn now, getting married won't solve that, okay? <clears throat> Back to parents and why they should be one of the people supporting you is relationships takes both sides working together. Believe it or not, years and years ago, we were teenagers. There's many things that you're going through now that we have experienced. Obviously, times change. I didn't have a smartphone when I was your age and things like that. But, but we were teenagers. We know how you think. We know how you possibly act when we're not around. So just, just remember that. as We've been there, okay? We've been there at some point in time. As we look at relationships, I want to look a little bit as parents. We may be just as scared as you guys are entering the phase of life that you are, that you, or you're currently living, if that makes sense. 
if you're a firstborn and you're now a teenager, we've never raised a teenager before. So we're, we may be just as scared or frightened for this next phase in life um, as you guys are. <clears throat> so that being said, talk to your parents about it, you know. Kind of back to, um, I just have here on my notes, small, small children eating nasty stuff. So all of you have probably seen totter, toddlers out on the ground if they're crawling around. I had a couple children when they was young. They, they loved to go into the cat food and eat it. And as parents, and they didn't know any better because they, weren't, they, weren't, they didn't have the knowledge and understanding to know that this was not meant for human consumption, even though it might be as good as some human food, but that's beside the point. Um, there are things that, sorry, I lost my train of thought now. <laughs> um, yeah, kind of going back to understanding uh, God does the same way with us. We may think we want something so bad, but we don't have the knowledge, we don't have the understanding to see the wisdom behind that as being a poor choice is basically what I'm trying to make. And, and so parents have that ability to see, hey, no, you probably shouldn't drive 100 mile an hour with your lights off in the dark. You know, that's just, you know, that, that's wrong. You're going you're gonna to end up dead. You know, that just that's obviously a, 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 a really vivid illustration. But anyway... You get the point. So, so talk to your parents about things. Your parents love you. They want what's best for you. They're going to take care of you. Uh, they want to explain that what you do in life now, you will pay for it at some point in time if it's a bad choice. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to have another verse here. Does anybody, anybody want to read that one for me, please? Anybody? France. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Okay. That's a verse we all know, um, both as fathers and mothers, and probably hopefully as children. But I want to look at it this way. Those of you, who's, who's hunters? Who shoots bow and arrows? Just one? All right. So... Think of this this way. You've been given to us by God. We're to train you. We're to teach you. We're to, to yeah. <laughs> we're to uh, hopefully teach you about life. And when you become a teenager, when you leave home, it's like shooting an arrow. As you, as you pull back and release that arrow, you hope to be aiming and pointing to the place that you want the arrow to go. But there's a lot of variables. There's wind. There's humidity. There's... Other things that you you know uh, you might hit another branch that you might not be seeing. So, if you want to look at it from that way, that's our goal as parents is we're trying to draw back and then release you in a in a place in a position that's going to take you towards Christ. Does that make sense? But there's a lot of variables that, that go into that as well. So, but even in our mistakes, God is faithful. Amen. Okay, the second group of people that is healthy for you to have in your life is teachers, coaches, mentors. And if your parents are some of these, then you are blessed. If your mom is your teacher or if your dad is a coach, 
then you are double blessed by having this. The reason you should have these in your life is they will invest time in you. I remember one of my teachers, uh, I think Greg, Mr. Wagner from down in Westphalia, who all remembers Mr. Wagner. Yes. <laughs> Still hold a fond memory of him. He was a hard teacher, but he, he I don't know how you guys feel, but I felt like he really helped me. He, he pushed me more than what I normally would have done. I, I was not a very good student in school, but yet he pushed me to, to excel. And that's what you want. Um, from these people, teachers, coaches, mentors. Investing time. Guys, these, guys, these, these people are not, not getting rich doing what they do for you, okay? Because these are mo mainly volunteer um, on that. So they're, if they want to speak into your life, you better listen, okay? <clears throat> I remember one of my mentors once is really teaching me how to pray. He would Come with, come with him in a problem, and instead of, instead of him saying, well, I'll pray for you, he's like, let's pray for it right now. And that really impacted me in my life because it showed how much he cared for me because he would take the time out to pray with me for that situation, okay? And that, that yeah, that showed how much he cared for me and how much he thought of me. So as we look at these people, they will teach us how to win graciously and lose graciously in life. They will know how to motivate you and inspire you. Long verse. Who wants to read this one? Set of verses. Claire, would you like to read that? Thank you. Who, uh, so sober is mentioned in here three times. Who wants to take a stab at what sober, being sober means? That's not mean free from alcohol. For Anybody want to take a stab at it? So basically sober-minded means that this person thinks about things for a little bit. They, they process it. They don't let whatever's happened around them influence their decision. They're, they're calm. They're, they don't panic easy. So these are the type of people that you want in your life to help you make sound choices to good decisions, okay? Um, B, respect them. You think, well, that's kind of obvious. But this person, there, these people should be role models. They, be, they should be somebody that you can trust. Um, maybe you can tell them about the struggles that you're having in life and, and things like that. Uh, they, need to be, they need to be trustworthy. They need to be somebody that you respect. Um, their instructions will be what you need versus what you want. Okay? As we think of... Think of uh, I'm getting ahead of myself here. 
Okay, who wants to read this one? One of you guys on the front row. Who wants to volunteer? Thank you. Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Okay, Paul's saying here, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So, um, listen to me. Um, understand where I'm at. Uh, as we look at these types of people... Um, they should motivate you towards Christ. It shouldn't be somebody that would take you away from Christ. Their instructions and their, the things that they tell you is, is something that's going to help you draw closer to Christ. So your niche and strong points. Um, finding your nuggets, as, as so many times you may not know your purpose in life, but your, your teachers or your coaches or your mentors may see something in you that you may not even see yourself. Okay? Um, as we, ta- we look at sports, uh, as coaches, a person, everybody maybe want to be a pitcher or a catcher or somebody that's, that's getting into a lot of the plays, but, but maybe you're a fast runner. Maybe you can catch, catch uh, the ball really good, and, and your coach says, no, I really want you in center field because your gifts and the things that you do will help you excel. You'll help the team in center field versus being a catcher or pitcher, okay? Does that make sense? So that's, that's the things that you have to understand that a coach may see in you and, and respect them for it. Um, it's not always about what you want. As we look at this, is they will put you in the right place and help you uh, be able to bless others around you. You aren't here to serve yourself. Okay, the third type of group, the groups, is, is friends. <clears throat> I want to look at the prodigal son's friends for a little bit. Does anybody, everybody remember that story? What it is, I won't get in, go into the great detail, but the friends liked him or loved him as long as he had money and was shelling out money for him. But at the end, this guy found himself living with the hogs, and I just wrote down this, this illustration. If you live with the hogs, your life's going to stink. Okay? And your mom and dad say, well, sometimes your, your, your room may look like a pig pen. I'm not talking about that. Okay? <laughs> So that's part of looking at the type of friends that you run around with. If you're going to run around with hogs, you're going to smell like a hog. Your friends should love you for who you are. And what I mean by that is don't become somebody you're not just to gain friendships. Okay? God made you a certain way. You be that person God made you. Don't... uh, don't take that off. Don't take that away from, from that to, to blend into the crowd and peer pressure. <clears throat> Who wants to read this next verse? Andre, thank you. Greater love hath no man but this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Okay, I want to look at a little bit of, of the paralegic man's friends. Look at what they chose to do. I don't know how far they carried this guy, but if you think if he weighed let's say 100 pounds, each of them was carrying 25 pounds. You know, they could have carried him a few feet. They could have carried him a mile. We don't know. But those are the types of friends that you want, friends that are going to be with you through this thick and thin and uh, work out their love for you in their life and, and promote you to or compel you to Jesus. As we look at this, we could have thought, well, maybe they got so far and they were tired and, and maybe it was getting close to supper time. And it was like, well, we got him this far. We got him up to the house. 
surely this was good enough. You know, we did our part. But no, these friends went over and beyond. If you look back in that picture, they carried him up the steps. You know, think about how you would do that with, a, you know, a stretcher about, you know, six feet long. They would have had to really work at doing that. Um, and then not only that, is they took the time to take back the, the roof and, and do that. They, they, they basically suffered embarrassment and ridicule. And then not only that, as rejection. What if Jesus didn't have the time to see him? So think of, just, just look at the, what the, the four friends did for this guy. And those are the types of friends that you want in your life to help you. B, faith gets God's attention. Verse 5, and it says, when Jesus saw their faith. There's a couple things I want to look at how Jesus said, yes, somebody gets it. Somebody understands who I am, what I can do. Those are the type of friends that you really need in your life to understand who Jesus is and promote you, to, uh, to bring you to Jesus. It was their only chance to get to Jesus. Faith motivates us to do the unexpected and to take chances. And I wrote down, get out of the boat. So we like to live in comfortable situations, but Jesus says, if you want to experience faith in me, get out of that boat, experience some things, take some chances in life of, of what I'm calling you to do. Uh, trust him, okay? One of the things I found is interesting, these five individuals were using his sermon. Yawn down, I'm not going to read it, but Jesus used their, their act as an illustration of his message, so... If you do something for Jesus, you might you will have a message someday for him. So the last one I want to look at is missions. And what I mean by this is it can be a group or, or type of people, but learning how to serve. So the other three were something that were helpful to you. This is a group of teaching you to get looking not from yourself but looking to others and what you can do in the kingdom of the Lord. Why this is important is it'll change your outlook on life and I'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Self versus servant. Today's age, it's the, everybody's saying do what satisfies yourself, do this. Um, God is saying no, you gotta crucify yourself, become a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does that mean in your life? It means going against the current. Those of us that's floated down the, the Kansas River, it's, it's easy to float down the river. You know, that's what everybody's doing in life. But Jesus says, no, I've called you to uh, a higher walk. We're not to live like the world. We're to go against the world, in a sense. And so we are rowing upstream, if you'd allow me to use that term, to navigate around the things that are causing us to destroy our lives and... Uh, to get us off our journey with Jesus. I like Lonnie's, uh, Lonnie's thought on prayer. I have down here, pray for opportunities to encourage and bless others as we look at missions and serving others. Who wants to read this? Zane. Okay. So along with that thought is, if we're going to do something, it's 
it's the world's way is like, look at me, look at me, see what I'm doing. Um, you can post selfies and all these things, but if we do it as unto the Lord, God's going to give us, He's going to bless us for that. We're not going to do it for a show. We're not going to do it um, so others can see what we're doing. <clears throat> Have poor eyesight. Think of the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, the priest and the Levi walked by the Good Samaritan, or the, walked by this guy that was laying alongside the road. Um, and the Samaritan, which actually they disliked the Jews, and, and this man was more than likely that was heard alongside the road was a Jew. And so we see here, if we look at that story, this guy chose to help someone that more than likely hated him for who he was. And as we look at having poor eyesight, we pray that people will see Jesus and not me, is the, is the thought behind that. Who wants to read that one? Caitlin, thank you. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take his cross and follow me. So that's, that's a strong admonition for those of us that want to serve Jesus. We're to deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow me. A disciple must, as we look at Jesus calling the disciples, uh, several of the disciples, they dropped exactly what they were doing. They left their families, they left their occupation, and they chose to follow Jesus. And I don't know what that looks like in your life. You know, is Jesus calling for you to deny something in your life today to uh, follow him? Um, is he asking you to take up your cross? Is there something that you should be doing to follow Jesus? Um, so those are some things to get you to think. So I like acronyms. Um, uh, as we look at bed, that, this is the, the thought behind this is the bed that carried the paralegic man, um, B-E-D. So your bed doesn't tip, you need balance every day. So if you use if you uh, allow a lopsided effort in these groups, if you allow me to use that term, your bed could tip and you could fall out. So basically the thought behind that is we need, you need all four of those types of groups being used simultaneously in your life to help you to have balance every day to keep you on your bed. <clears throat> Sin will paralyze us. Jesus will say, rise up and walk. In verse 12, and it says, Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw this in such fashion. That was after Jesus said, Rise up and walk, or thy sins be forgiven. I, I don't remember the, the name of the king, but there was a young king in the Bible that chose to, he had... Uh, several counselors. He had a group of young counselors and he had a group of old counselors and, and he chose to, um, if somebody knows the story, tell me, but he chose to listen to the young counselors. Uh, I think it was on taxation. Does anybody remember the story? I just thought about it. Anyway, look it up. <laughs> so basically he listened to the young counselors and I think made the taxation more on the people instead of making it less. The older counselors wanted to make it less, but he chose to make it a bigger burden on the people, and that did not end well for him. So the thought behind that is it's okay to get some old people's advice every now and then, okay? 
as we look at Jesus healing us, to heal the body is temporal, to heal the soul is eternal. So I've got to leave you a couple questions. If Jesus has healed you, if you have accepted Jesus Christ, you're not on the bed anymore. But if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, which direction is your bed moving this morning? Is it moving toward Jesus or away from Jesus? Do you understand what I mean? The four types of people that you're choosing to put around you are those types of people bringing you towards Jesus or away from Jesus.